That doesn't like translate over. Right. You're fucking, this is crazy. Thank you so much for doing this. Of course. I should move this until they, pay, until they start paying us, right? <laughs> yeah. You get, you get the nutrition information. I was never <laughs> a caffeine person, but now I'm addicted to it. Oh, dude, I've always been a, I'm addicted to everything. I've almost been a caffeine person, a whatever, you know, any mood altering substances, bring them on. <laughs> At this point, I was always like, I can't be a stoner and drink caffeine because one brings you down, one brings you up. Now I'm just an addict. Yeah, but that's, level what, you that's off. where I'm at now. It was level you off. I was like, damn, coffee tastes good if you put a lot of sugar in it. Well, my wife drinks black, straight black coffee, like it's um, like it's like it looks like Quaker State oil in the thing. <laughs> no. And she and she teases me all the time she's like that's like a coffee milkshake dude will you shut that door i know we're in the middle of podcasting already but I, it's like i'm hearing the echo down the hall oh, I it's very there's very fancy um shit on the wall supposed to <laughs> you care more about the look of this than i do i do this is called bucked up for a reason like yeah. i just show up People like Grammy award winning rappers, I'll show up to their studio with like the webcam. They'll think I have like a team with them. Oh, really? Stuff. Yeah. I've pulled up to like, oh, I actually were, oh, yeah, I plugged into that one. Yeah. Uh, I pulled up to like trap houses by really? myself and stuff. Dude, <laughs> I, I'm so fascinated by you. When you asked me to do this, I was like, yeah, but I'm going to be asking you questions the whole time. Um, I'm so fascinated by you um, just going to these like, places that you wouldn't think you would want to go to and you're interviewing some of the biggest name i mean people who don't aren't big rap fans maybe wouldn't get it but like you're interviewing some of the biggest names right now and you're just like rolling up in a what do you what do you drive a toyota corolla what? <laughs> subaru forester of course it's with a bike your, rack on the top you probably got it as a discount off your aunt she was about to trade it in and you're like yo i'll cut the grass i'll cut the grass for like two years and you give me your your subaru out back and I <laughs> I used to have a Jeep Wrangler before that. Yeah. And I was such a Jeep guy. Mm -hmm. Like it just worked for me. Like I blasted rap music. I wore like whatever. And that's yep. fine. But hopping out of a Subaru Forester, I just look like a it I look like I'm the, driving my mom's car. It sets the bar low. So they're like, oh, this fucking Are we allowed to curse on this? Yeah, thing? You, of course, of course you, it's a rap yeah, podcast. Yeah, exactly. You can curse. Um they're just like this oh this dork and then you are knowledgeable about rap so they're probably like oh man you're kind of like uh what's that guy you're not as you're not as on the spectrum as that dude um <laughs> Nardor. Anwar, or, Nardor. Nardor, yeah. yeah i do get that a lot <laughs> someone commented damn it's like nardwar got fat <laughs> oh, <little> bastards <laughs> <It's> like, no <laughs> oh, yes but I was always on this path, like, all right, not to do like a shameless plug for you, but you're doing the Wilbur. Yep. And you already did the Wilbur. Please do shameless plug. But you're plug. doing the Wilbur, what, June 24th? Yeah, but. I can't believe I pulled that date out of my ass. I, I know. I've only been posting it every <laughs> single day for the last freaking six months. But when I was 13 years old, my dad took me to see Wu-Tang at the Wilbur Theater. What? Yeah. That's so. Is your is your dad a rap fan, both or he just my, knew you would love it? Both my parents were super rap fans, but they never talked to each other about rap. Like but what? what? I, yeah, they didn't talk to each other at Dude, all. That but. marriage is not going to last. It, it was. It didn't. All right, see, I <laughs> can tell you right now. Let me ask you a question. Um, 
How old are your parents? Uh, my dad's 59 and my mom's 54. Okay, so they came up in, they came up with rap then. Yeah. Because if you're 20 years, I'm 41. So they're, you're, you know, dad's what, 18 years older than me. Then he would have got the original, you know, like <laughs> he would have been coming up with like, uh, you know sugar hill gang and those <laughs> original <laughs> i do know. love that don't old. push me because i'm close to the it. yeah he would have had that original shit yeah he would have been when he started listening to rap people like this isn't music <laughs> imagine going back in time and rapping with like the sugar yeah. hill gang because they just did they didn't know what they were doing all right it's like listening to early stand-up dude also the sugar hill gang I've watched a documentary and they ripped off um, other, you know, cause it, everybody kind of had like their verse or whatever they did when they were hanging out. And these dudes, they just went and like, Oh, those other guys who are really great aren't available. Will you just do that guy's verse? And they're like, well, yeah, we're going to record this. And then boom, it became this giant hit, but really they just stole like one guy stole a verse from his buddy. The other guy stole a verse from his buddy. So they were just like, you know, yeah, but they didn't realize they were stealing it. How do you feel about like comedians who have writers? Dude, I don't give a shit what anybody does. I think <laughs> that's a great answer. Dude, this <laughs> racket. And and I don't even mean stand up. I just mean like doing something in the field of creativity. It's like whatever you got to do other than steal. Like if your buddy sucks on stage, but he writes great jokes, but you're great on stage and you suck at writing why would you not collaborate because mm. like at, in the end of it it's like dude if i wrote something for you and i see you go on stage and you crush with it i'm gonna be like i mean i would be upset because i can go on stage but the average person like if i was shy but i like love to write it'll be like and i saw you murder with my shit i'd be like this is the greatest thing ever just mm. like ghostwriters dude and like there's, there's ghostwriters in rap and, and music and all that other stuff and they're like slide it under the door like brian wilson you know and then somebody like drake or whoever goes out and does it it's like if you're not a performer but you can write and you see your that's like it's still your baby it's still your creative thing that you're sending out yeah. into the world you know yeah it's like uh, having like a like a band for an artist that the album just goes by their name right like i don't even want to use rap i want to use like I can't, it's like, all right, I, I can't, the, I Dude. listen to so much rap that I call musicians non-rappers. So I'll be like, my favorite non-rapper is Kurt Vile. <laughs> if you knew how many f fat, you know, like fat dudes or fat, disgusting women are singing on your favorite band's um, album and they just sign an NDA and they, and you know, they, and they say, you can never tell anyone that this wasn't you. And and you happen to sound a lot like Miranda Lambert or who I'm just saying that name, but yeah, whoever who gives a shit, you've made all this money and you, but you can never tell anybody it was you, but like you look disgusting on film. So they're not going to use you. They're going to put some pretty, you know, it's yeah. like me. If I could sing my heart out, they wouldn't be like, let's make him the next thing. He looks like shit. You know, the show, the voice, of course, where it's like, they don't judge on looks, but all the people are still hot. They never put any like really ugly people up. I know. It's because people, if you're good looking, you're also probably, you know, that just God just gives you all the, he just sprinkles in all the extra shit. Cause you're yeah. like, yeah, look what the fuck I made. Boom. Send you off. And then there's people like me and you're like, dude, can I have, 
Can I have any attributes? Can I have like, yeah, but you're so far. You got to think about the people way lower down the life totem pole. We're looking know, at you. I'm looking up. I'm looking up at a lot of, I'm like, damn, I could have been, <laughs> yeah. been a contender. <laughs> you still can be. Nah. Some lady after a show, cause I make fun of myself for being chubby, you know? And I was in San Diego and this woman goes, first of all, you're not that fat, which I was like, thanks. <laughs> um, and then she goes, and also, um, SZA was on SNL last night and said that big guys who are over, you know, over five, nine, and they're over 250 pounds. That's like what everyone's looking for. I'm like, if I wasn't married, sign me up. <laughs> like you could, uh, yeah. well, it's like when I was like 17, tra you know who Travis Scott is? Of course. Travis Scott tried to fuck my girlfriend in front of me. Really? Yeah. And I always am like, I think that means I could fuck Kylie Jenner. Like, I think right. that means I could pull it. <laughs> we, it seems like you might be negotiating in your own mind. You know, you're like, if I get this chance again, <laughs> I'm going to offer this. Like, you take mine, I take yours, or we all just do it together. I feel like you're planning your next move, you know? I don't think I could. Again. That seems like a real cuck situation with me and a rapper. No way. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I just, I gotta. But you gotta do it for the story. But then that you have to drive true. your girl home. Yeah. And she's like, have Hennessy poured all <laughs> and over she's her. She's playing shit. Travis's music <laughs> yeah. really loud. She's like, I never liked this song before, but I really love it. She's, there's freaking. There's uh there's champagne poured all over her. She stinks like <laughs> stinks like champagne. And you're just in the car eating a fucking Jolly Rancher being all sad. <laughs> I want a Jolly Rancher <laughs> from the lean. I just imagine something it. hard to open, you know. Yeah. You, you, you grab the Jolly Ranchers from the lean ingredients on the way out, and then you're just sad in the car trying to open it and like <laughs> She gets in smelling like dick and Cavassia. I love that the only <laughs> question I have for that story was what flavor Jolly Rancher was. <laughs> That's the fat guy in me. Here comes borderline racism. Grape. Yeah. It's obviously grape. Come on now. Come That's on my now. least favorite flavor. Yeah. Well, it is now that he fucked your lady. What's your like gross go-to food? Oh, like something dis something disgusting like whether yeah like when you're like not fucked up but like when you're late after a show and you're like i just need to like gorge myself i mean that's every meal i ever eat so <laughs> dude I, i'm like i've gotten to the point where i'm like how many different ways can i have buffalo chicken you know working at comedy clubs like we try our buffalo chicken wrap or the buffalo chicken tenders it's like i'm so sick of buffalo chicken dude <laughs> i love that you just gave the two like most simple buffalo chicken but i mean I can, uh, yeah. Yeah. you could have tenders you could have it in a wrap yeah that's basically every comedy club in the country has tenders yeah. or a wrap and it's like it's like but after, if you don't eat before a show because you're like, I don't want to be up there all f bloated. Yeah. Then I'll just eat afterwards. But then it's 11 o'clock and you're like, okay, so I'm eating at a gas station, apparently. Like how many meals have I, I mean, obviously my body is in shambles, but like how many meals I've eaten in my car or at a gas station? Like those, you have like a, you ever had a Southwestern, um, like wrap with the or the wrap is almost oh, orange. orange yeah i usually go for the chicken salad what's up with them orange wraps run. what are those even made out of i think they're supposed to be sun-dried tomato no that's that's just cigarette it's like cigarette yeah filter 
paper. Food is really about the mindset you're in when you eat it. Yeah. Like I was at a really fancy restaurant for Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. Like we were dressed up and I was like, this food is delicious, but it's really just because we're dressed up and there's someone waiting on me that they can't fuck up at all. Right. Like the food is probably as good as if I go to like... No, it's not as good, but I could enjoy a quarter pounder with cheese the same amount as I could enjoy the scallops and risotto I had. Okay, what was the last time you ate while you were crying? <laughs> oh, that's a good that's a good question. <laughs> What's the last time I ate? And I'm talking a full sob. Like a <laughs> oh, that's a I don't know. I haven't done that in a while. Is that a, is that a I've normal thing before, for you? Dude. Not normal, but I've done, <laughs> had a couple divorces under my belt. Now, oh, dude. You had a couple divorces? Well, like one real nasty breakup at, that I was engaged to the person, and then a full on divorce. Mm. So you got you know, there's you know, that's at least two full years out of my life of, of just cr- crying in my own suffering. <laughs> it's so funny. So I was moving. My mom's storage unit. There <laughs> were these two boxes next to each other. And the one box said Sam's childhood memory box. <laughs> I saw it. It's just it was nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it was just dust. Well, it's it. like jokes that write themselves. It's not even a joke because the box next to it just said files from the divorce. Yeah. And I was like, these are the same box. You could have saved <laughs> the box. <laughs> these are the exact same you open thing. It. It's just a, someone spitting it. <laughs> <laughs> Someone took his shit in the box. It's a childhood memory. <coughs> oh, yeah. Why are we saving this? <laughs> Divorces. The divorce was like uh If you open up your childhood memories box and it was just uh it was just a picture of your dad's taillights as he drove off. <laughs> Sorry, too real. Too real. <laughs> I was going to say the DUI report. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was just a death certificate of the guy he hit. Oh, <laughs> just kidding. I don't, know. I don't know anything about your life. <laughs> that happened on Cape. Really? This dude, like, this dude like jumped out in front of a car. Really? And the dude killed him. And this is, I don't know why I'm getting so serious with this. this but that dark. like ruined, like, I would not, like, you didn't, it wasn't your fault. Right. But you now have to live with that for the rest of your life. Yeah, you did it. You did. You killed somebody. Yeah. And you didn't even want to. No, it wasn't. You didn't even get the pleasure from yeah, it. Yeah. You like, you get all the pain and none of the reward of the, you planned it out, you know? I want to talk about these crying food. <laughs> yeah. The last time you cried in the car. <laughs> when I ran a kid over. <laughs> the children from my he was holding a McFlurry. You just yeah. get out and eat it. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, it can't go to waste. You're like, ooh, these are thick. Do you finish leftovers? nah not really like we have a saying in my house and we go uh we're not throwing away perfectly good food leave it in the fridge for a few days until it's rotten then we'll throw it out (laughs) like we just save shit that we know nobody's ever gonna eat it's like nobody's eating this just throw it out now yeah why do we keep this shit i see i'm the type that i don't like to leave food like i'll just eat everything just because i don't want to take it home really yeah like yeah. I'll eat to the point where I'm like, so you're crying. So, yeah. To, <laughs> yeah. Uh, when you asked, I didn't know if it was crying before I ate or right. crying after I started eating. Yeah. Crying from eating doesn't count. No, no. And that has happened. Oh yeah. It has happened. When was, <laughs> yeah. when was the last time you ate naked? Oh, 
<laughs> Probably like last week. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's a visual for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm home alone a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you have a family. It would be weird. Yeah. It would be weird if you were just like eating buffalo chicken <laughs> yeah. in the kitchen naked and your family walked in. It's like, oh, is that tenders or a wrap? <laughs> <laughs> I had buffalo chicken lasagna. Oh shit. That it was probably the least healthy thing I've ever eaten. Cause you gotta think instead of the like ricotta, it's just blue cheese. Oh, blue cheese is the nastiest thing on earth. You don't like, all right, podcast nope. over. You're a ranch guy. I'm not either. When they go, I go raw dog. I go nothing. <laughs> you raw dog and your buffalo <laughs> Yeah. That's why you hate them so much. I'm eating it and I'm just staring directly at somebody across from me. <laughs> that I'm is... not enjoying it at all. I'm not dipping it. Nothing. Yeah. I, that's why you hate it. And, and that's why you hate the wrap is because it's a dry, it's just lettuce, buffalo chicken yeah. and a orange wrap that you don't know what it is. Dude, I'm going to tell you something. There's this restaurant in my town and they make, um, they make a buffalo chicken wrap and they, but they have some kind of dill spice ranch shit that goes on it. And it is the best tasting thing. You're like, God damn, they fucking nailed this dude. Yeah. But then four hours later, maybe three hours later, if you burp, you're like, <clears throat> Did I eat out of the garbage? <laughs> You're like, did I lick a garbage disposal? It's foul. Whatever it does when it gets in there and, you know, gets in with your, with your fucking hemoglobins or whatever. <laughs> and then when it, when it comes back up, you're like, I ate out of the trash or like I licked a squirrel's asshole or something. I've been having, I've been having the heartburn of like a 50 year old man recently. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I'm 25. Well, I can't, I don't, I have to, I have like, have to keep Tums with me. Yeah. Well, the rappers fucking your lady are over there popping a, <laughs> yeah, Z- a popping. Zyrtec or, what, yeah. or a Zantac or whatever. It's called. A pri- I need a Prilosec to wash down this lean. <laughs> Some Tums. <laughs> <laughs> I hate at restaurants. Are there any Tums in this trap house? <laughs> <laughs> That's something you never hear. Are there any tums yeah. at this trap? Out? Do any of you? Do any of you have any maylocks? <laughs> I've given given a little bit of a headache. Do any of you have an excedrin? Yeah. <laughs> Extra strength. And they're like, "Get your boyfriend out of here! We're trying to fuck." <laughs> <laughs> Tell him to leave the Jolly Ranchers this time. <laughs> yeah. See, I've brought. I've gone on dates with girls, and I've brought girls around. I'm happy that I'm not. I'm in a relationship now, so that's not. You are in a relationship now. Okay, I was gonna. But, (laughs) but before, like, girls would go on date. A girl hooked up with me and then asked me to share her music afterwards. Really? Yeah, I'm like, I got 5,000 followers. To the power of podcasting. Five, I got 5,000 followers. You're really doing this for 5,000 followers? That piece, of, that piece of ass cost you your spot, your spot in the algorithm. <laughs> and I did share yeah, her music. Yeah. yeah. I did end up sharing her music. Yeah, dude. I've never, I've never, that's one of the joys of looking like this. I've never had anybody um, use me for anything mm. you know what i mean they're not like oh i could hook up with this dude and get something out of it <laughs> like if they're hooking up with me it's because they're just at their lo- <laughs> they're, 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 <laughs> i thought you were gonna say because they really like me <laughs> no, they're, at their, they're at their rock bottom dude i have numbers to rehabs tattooed on the inside of my legs <laughs> <laughs> just so she needs to make a call yeah. while she's going down while they're there. down there and they're thinking <laughs> this has to be rock bottom <laughs> there's a phone number down <laughs> yeah. there i should call it they're like oh betty ford and that's <laughs> Like when was the last time you cried while you're eating? <laughs> <laughs> this is just fat thoughts and trap house. This yeah, is the name of this episode. It. Yes. 
Back to fat thoughts, because you're the. <laughs> I feel like I'm you the, can relate. I'm the aficionado <laughs> of fat <laughs> stuff. <laughs> no, <laughs> you can walk up a flight of stairs. Yeah, sure. I might stop in the middle for just <laughs> pretend I'm checking out something. Like if there's a painting on the wall, I'm like, oh, cool, and then I regroup and go back up. <laughs> you became an art fan, yeah. from stopping oh. on stairwells. <laughs> yeah, who painted this? <laughs> if the elevator's down, you're like, oh, I'll see you guys. I'll just yeah. you guys get. I gotta get something from the car. <laughs> Wee. <laughs> yes sorry <laughs> i used to have asthma mm -hmm. and then i started smoking weed and i lost my asthma and i went to my i still go to my pediatrician <laughs> dude they said you said nine things in a eight word sentence <sighs> let's let's break this down for the, pe for the people at home shall we i used to have asthma I cured it from smoking weed. I still go to my pediatrician. Yeah. I don't know which one of those things is the most fucked up. <laughs> Why are you going to a pediatrician? I've been seeing the same doctor just, since I was like four years old. You just like the satisfaction of being having the biggest dick that he's going to see all day. <laughs> I don't know. It's the same <laughs> size as when I, was, <laughs> when I was a baby. I like a guy with an expert in my size. <laughs> I can't show this to another dude. Yeah, I, can't, I can't show this dick to somebody who sees full size dicks all the time. <laughs> oh, wait, I'll add another. See, you, I'm happy you broke down my thoughts because this is the first sober guest I think yeah. I've had in about 120 episodes <laughs> yeah dude if i smoked i would just be sitting over in the corner staring at the wall i um I, I do still go to my pediatrician but sometimes i remember the first time i shaved down there i got like razor pumps yeah i went to my pediatrician he's like what he's like did you shave i was like yeah he's like don't come to me with this shit <laughs> yeah. like if you're shaving your nuts it's time to stop going to the pediatrician yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the cutoff. Yeah. I got a yeast infection and I thought <laughs> yeah. it was an STD. I mean, I got it from a girl and I was like, I can't bring this to my pediatrician. What? So I brought it to the CVS minute clinic. <laughs> oh my God, dude. <laughs> the plot thickens. First of all, if you're going to the doctor and he goes, pull out your dick, honk, honk on his nose. <laughs> that's, a, that's a red flag. <laughs> Second of all, you, you didn't want to bring it to the pediatrician, so you just brought it to, to the CVS, <laughs> which I don't even know if those are doctors. I think they're just no. they're just like um, <laughs> nurse practitioners. You know what? No, you know what they are? They're they're fucking ambulance drivers that need extra hours or like EMT. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, I don't know, dude. I can put a splint on somebody's pinky or whatever, and then you bring them in, and then you're bringing your rotten dick in there, and they're like, <laughs> Look, I gotta I gotta go back to school. I got this doctor from Phoenix online. <laughs> yeah. I can't. Dude, I thought I had syphilis one time and it was a um it was a rash from my laundry detergent. <laughs> really? So I switched to this hippie ass laundry detergent that my ex wife used to use. And I like all my clothes got washed and then um and then like I ended up with like a dude, my it looked like somebody put a sparkler out on my penis. It was so bad. The rash was Jesus. it was like a it was like like somebody tried to weld it. Oh. And um the doctor was like and I used to do this as a bit, but the doctor was like, this is either like a, it's either like an allergic reaction or a syphilis. I'm like, well, let's root for allergic reaction, shall we? <laughs> what does it, yeah. But they gave me a shot of penicillin in case it was syphilis, which that's the only thing that kills it, which is penicillin. And they put the thing like in my fucking thigh, like deep. And the thing was a big needle and put it in. And then he left the room 
and I was like, I was like, you fucking stabbed me too deep, man. I, I was gonna, pa- I was felt like I was gonna pass out, and then I finally like came back to, and he came back in. And he had a note from the CDC. You have to register. You have to like notify every person um, that you've had any kind of sex with that you have syphilis, and uh, <laughs> and I used to do it as a bit, but I would say, uh, and I learned something. I learned a valuable lesson that day. I learned that people don't like group text messages <laughs> <laughs> because I was just like, I don't know. I'm going to text everybody at once and say, Hey, we have syphilis. <laughs> and it turned out to not be syphilis. The test came back and it was just a laundry detergent rash. And you just have to send a follow-up text. <laughs> yeah. like, hey, sorry guys. <laughs> just like, I'm just allergic to <laughs> yeah, game. Yeah, April fools. April fools. <laughs> yeah. Damn. You ever get any STDs? Fuck no, dude. I'm a serial monogamist. I don't, I've had like periods of, of breakups where I just, where I, like I had a breakup one time and I was in shape and I was just, oh man, but I fall in love too fast. So I was like, I'm bang every chick there is. And then, um, and then I like fall in love so easy that I was just like, oh, fucking just settle down again. You know, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm going to be on a tear. And then I was like, oh, I'll just really care about this person you know yeah <laughs> like i want to have a life with them <laughs> no, no you're like oh wait did they find me attractive yeah. i need to lock this wait, yeah. this person will tolerate me okay yeah just just stay with me forever being hot probably is such a different life it's gotta suck see being a hot dude <laughs> is probably great being a hot female yeah that probably sucks why, why being a hot think, female well, yeah why do you think that challenge because they're not they're not like ooh, i want to use my sexuality to get ahead they just are born that way and then if people only see them for a certain thing no i don't agree i think (laughs) i disagree wholeheartedly (laughs) (laughs) because and i don't know anything so so don't fucking email me but um like a dude even if he's a mutant you know, even if he looks like shit, he's like, yeah, I'm the fucking man. And even uh, I, in my experience of, of knowing women, even if they're gorgeous, they like think that they look like shit. Mm. So I think a man is like more of an opportunist where he's like, oh man, I'm about to use this. Like if you, if I woke up tomorrow, like hot, like I was chiseled from stone. I had like a nice strong jaw. You know what I mean? I smelled nice, everything. Yeah. I would be like, okay, I'm going to advance my position while I can. You know do you mean? think you all right oh, say you woke up. up tomorrow yeah hot yeah do you think that would help your comedy career i don't know if it would help my comedy career but i could like host a morning show or something you know mm. i could be like mario <laughs> lopez or whatever yeah you're right like, good morning you're on the air with whatever you know i wouldn't have to <laughs> yeah i wouldn't have to do comedy i don't like good looking comedians mm. I, I don't this is not for you there's this dude, Matt Reif. Do you know who he oh, is? Oh, yeah. He's, he's fucking killing so it. handsome. He's, ki- yeah. he's killing it. Women, gr- like, not even just women. Girls to, like, to like women, like, older women. They want to do terrible things to this guy. <laughs> I mean, they do. They, I think that they would hurt. I think they would hurt him if they had the chance. <laughs> Where are you getting this information? Dude, I know. I'm, I'm well connected. Um, <laughs> women want to hurt him. They do. They want to. They want to fucking until it hurts, and <laughs> they want to get like bang him raw, you know, and hurt his penis. Um. I don't know where I was going. I don't know where I was going. You just started thinking about his dick and got excited. <laughs> you know what I start? You know what I did? I thought. 
what if he has a big dick too of course he does you know he i'm sure he does yeah but like um i feel like he should be kicked out of comedy i don't and i don't know anything about his stand-up but i don't think that like for me he's not welcome here because he's i mean he's he's hilarious but like he's he doesn't need this Mm. this should be for this should be for like you know he could just walk down the street and just be devoured by a rich woman or whatever like he doesn't need to go tell jokes in some dark shithole or in the back of a fud ruckers or whatever like we have to like he's just which means he's doing it because he loves it which is even more reason why of course you should love him but man fuck man no i'm just kidding You're like i'm in love with him <laughs> i think i'm crushing what's <laughs> i think i'm gay <laughs> what's worse to you a super hot person getting into comedy or a celebrity getting into comedy oh man so i'm gonna say uh, i would rather a celebrity get into comedy and be terrible at it and i will enjoy that because i like when the wheels come off of something you know what i mean i like when i like like i want to stay out at the end of the night until it devolves into chaos <laughs> which it always does and i think if you had a show you know what i mean you had a show on a network and now you're at freaking uncle goober's chuckle hut in the middle of nowhere slinging jokes that you're like i would see them be like yes welcome back to earth <laughs> you know what i mean yeah now you're just slumming it with us pieces of shit down here in the in the mud you know <laughs> you see comedy very low you're like if Dude. they're up there at the calculator they're nothing and you're like you have to be ugly you have to be yes. shrouded in darkness yes. you have to Dude, this ain't all this ain't all freaking fancy uh this is a this is a um it's like a dude i see this as like a um a dirty thing like a all comedy right. should be gross all right, we'll get into the serious part of the conversation where I, I think I probably see it differently because I saw it as an escape. When really? I was young, I would go to Laugh and Nick's every weekend, no matter who the headliner was, and sit front row, and I've had been roasted. Like, when I was 16, I by myself, like, Chase Abel yeah. literally had to stay by me because I was too young to be in the club by myself. Oh, wow. Like, Chase, if, had to if Chase Abel's your supervisor, you're in <laughs> <Yeah>. serious trouble. <laughs> yeah, I was fucked. <laughs> but, but I just, it was like my escape. Like, I was like, my family grew up super waspy. So it was like, you can't share certain things. Right. And when I saw comedy, I was like, there's people actually talking about what they really want to talk about. So in a fucked up way, it's the same as how I see it. It's a, um, like you go back to your, you know, you go back to your fancy life, but you come get a little dirt on you come and get like, it's a seedy thing. Mm. Comedy's a underbelly. It's a counterculture. It's a, you know what I mean? And I'm the most vanilla comic on earth. So I shouldn't even be like, Oh, it's fucking dirty, but it's like a, it's something for outcasts. It's something for like, um, you know, people that see things a different way or think a different way yeah and it's like you escaped your house you know your fancy ass fucking live you know you show up in your excuse me we're both from the cape <laughs> yeah, you show up in your, yeah but i grew up in a junkyard i grew up in a junkyard on nantucket so i moved it, from the cape to fitchburg where i lived in a shitty little apartment in fitchburg i literally grew up in a junkyard in the in the fucking richest zip code on the planet uh in nantucket yeah in, in like uh 
and like b- grew up blue collar and in and like no money people are like, oh nantucket must be nice i'm like dude you have no idea anyways what i'm saying is it's a it is it's an escape it's a counterculture thing it's a um it's a speakeasy it's a fucking uh we're not supposed to be here it's a club that you're not and not everybody's allowed in so i think you kind i think i think i've just been on the road for so long that i'm like no you gotta grind it out i'm old school like that but like mm-hmm. it is an escape i mean it's an escape too for me like escape you know you get to you get to choose the light that everybody sees you in yeah you know so i i agree with that i don't know why i got sentimental just now. no it's my like i think people uh, i hate this i don't want to i hate talking about how i think people see me you know yeah. what i mean i'll fucking tell you <laughs> i know <laughs> trust me i know <laughs> when i got i won't say who but when i got the knicks someone just a friend of texted me you just killed the body you're the death of the boston comedy scene <laughs> i was like damn yeah but no but i grind hard like yep. i don't think like I get that. Like, this is yeah. my life and I dedicate it and I see it as a dark thing because I dedicated my life to it and, mm-hmm. like, nothing is over it. Right. Which is, like, we, you have a family which probably changes how you feel about it. No. No, not at all. I just get to set it. I'm just one of the, I mean, I shouldn't say lucky. It's a constant battle to, like, come home and be, like, a you know, just, like, be at home and be a productive member of a family um but like you do you do um you know travel to these places and interview people and go to like i see you travel all the time i'm like all right he's he's doing it that's the thing that's the sometimes that's as far as it goes like wherever i'm at today maybe this is as far as it ever goes for me which i'm which i'm fine with because i'm doing the thing been on the road of eating these buffalo chicken wraps in my car done all those things if it stops tomorrow and i just go back to being a dad i fucking did it and i did it to a level that i was proud of you know but like i think that i think it can get like to a point where you're like oh fuck this took over my whole life and i got nothing else Mm. and i feel like that's if i were uncle beeglow sitting over here i'd be like be careful be careful it doesn't just become everything because one day pandemic comes and the comedy clubs close and you're sitting there staring yourself in the mirror going who the fuck am i without this you know yeah damn it just got real again I'm sorry. no i like that because i think all right so i get crazy the podcast it brings me up a lot yeah. oh shit i got a lot of people listening to me oh shit i got to talk to someone but with stand-up that's what you asked me what i was yeah. before you said are you a stand-up or right. are you a podcast yes and i know i'm a comedian not just because it was my I met Jim Gaffigan on my 10th birthday and I knew that like, <laughs> oh, I did. No, I met him on my 10th birthday and I okay. knew then, but I know you meet because him? at the house of melody tent, the wow. melody tent okay. and he wrote on the, uh, on completely pale. I think the name of the album is mm-hmm. wrote to Sam, my best friend. Oh, it was just a true. very nice. It was a very, true at the time. That's, <laughs> was, a, that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very nice, but I knew that I was a comedian. Like, Comedy always humbles me. Yeah. No matter how cool of a podcast I get, I can go and bomb. Yeah. And it humbles me. And I realize, oh, that's the thing I really want to pursue. Right. I shouldn't have asked. And that's a mistake that I made is asking, well, which one are you? Because 
you're everything. You're both. You're this. You're you're a podcaster and a comedian and whatever else you do in your other time. And and I think that it's a I think that it's short sighted to be like, well, which one are you? And I no, and I just mean like, who, what are you giving your energy to most? Not who what do you, are you see yourself as? Like, I would never be like, I'm a podcaster. Right. That's not who I am. Right. I'm a comedian. I was. We were talking about what a comedian being the seedy underbelly shit. Right. You know, there's people who walk into rooms and just say crazy shit because they want attention. Right. Comedians are those people who are like, well, that's that's counterproductive to society. So right. let me try to hone this in a room where people want to hear me say crazy shit. And that is not a normal person thing to do. Right. Yeah. That's you got to be a little bit broken. I, I always say like comedy's a little grass and the flowers that grows in the cracks. Mm-hmm. You got to be a little bit fucked up to want to do any of this creative pursuits like for a living. You know what I mean? Like when you're sitting at home and drawing or like doodling on a napkin, nobody's like, Oh man, this is my life. I'm going to do this forever. But there are people like that. Really? There are. I t- I've interviewed I so many like famous painters and that's how they see it. Really? But that's why when you asked me who I am, I don't think that's a bad question at all. Because right. if you ask them who they are, they're an artist. Right. That's who they are. That's the path that God or themselves or whoever put them on, that's them. Like, to me, I'm a comedian through and through. I'll yeah. never change that. I'm not. Hmm. That's, I mean, it's cool to look at it that way. I, f- I think that it's like, um, Maybe I, maybe I like, re, like coil up at wounds. If I was like, if I was ever like, I'm an artist, I would think I would punch myself in the face. But I mean, but you are a comedian and you right. take yourself so seriously. And I mean, artist like a painter, but like oh, you right. are, you are doing it to a level higher than let's say 95% of the people from, from 95% of the people trying to do it. Yeah, I think that um you know what's crazy is like the pan like the pandemic and the shutdown reinforced all of this. This is sorry, I'm biting my own skin. Um this is a moment where I like um during the pandemic I was like, This is stupid. Like I'm it's never coming back. Um like I guess that was it. You know, I guess I'll figure something else out. And then on Sundays, I was opening a seltzer, drinking a seltzer, playing a song in my backyard on my ukulele. And I was like trying to cheer people up. And I was like, oh, I bet people need to be cheered up right now. And I was trying to make jokes. And I was like, I don't, dude, it, it like dawned on me. And I went, oh my God, the comedy clubs and the comedy business, you know, stand up comedy business doesn't own the thing. The thing is trying to cheer people up or, or like free them from their, you know stress for like an hour and a half and i was like well shit i'm still doing it even though the whole world is shut down maybe not to maybe not being very good at it but the desire to do it is still there so i was like in that moment i was like dude i'm a fucking pirate now because there's never going to be such thing as a comedy club ever again so now how do i find ways to like get this out Mm. and i was like oh fuck it's more than just it's more than just like here's my jokes and I'm going to bring them to the place where they let me do it. I was like, Oh shit. This, this is like, it like took me back to when I was a kid and I was like trying to just make fart sounds and cheer, you know, make people laugh at in class or get kicked out of class just for the laugh. And I was like, Oh yeah, 
this is this is like a pure thing. This is like this is like an uncut thing where I'm like, oh, I want to fucking do this because I like because it's in me and I need to get it out and I want to cheer people up. And then after that, I was like, fuck everybody. And I did a show with Corey Rodriguez. Uh, that's my name drop. Not as big as Jim Gaffigan, but uh, also <laughs> as funny or funnier. Um, <laughs> was it even a name drop? <laughs> yeah, right. <clears throat> I wasn't even like I was hanging with him. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure your diehard rap fans are going to be like, oh, fucking Jim Gaffigan. Nice, nice street cred reference in your, in your uh, Subaru Outback. Or your <laughs> I'll, I'll name drop for the next 25 minutes of the podcast. <laughs> um, but so I, so after this epiphany that I just told you all about, I went and did a show in Worcester and it was like in, in the back parking lot of a thing under a tent and it was outdoors. And I was like, I think I'm going to quit. And Corey Rodriguez goes, nah, now it's the time to level up on these motherfuckers. And I went, yes. And I just, after that, I was like, I'm in both feet, nothing. I'm not like dabbling. I'm not, I'm not like doing this as a hobby. I'm in. And ever since then, I was like all the good things that have come to me that people talk about or when they bring up when they see me have all happened because of those mo- those two moments i just told you about where i was just like became a pirate became a it was about what's in me to get out and then having somebody be like no this isn't the time to quit this is the time to level up i was just like yep done consider it done what's that old saying if you if you love something let it go and if it comes back it was meant to be is that what the saying is or some version I think you're of that? trying to just get okay with that rapper banging your lady. <laughs> they never <laughs> fucked. <laughs> is it, do you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. If I, you love something, set it free. If it comes back, it's yours to keep. Yeah, yeah. So that's literally what you had to do with comedy. If you push so hard for so long, you kind of get jaded. You realize, you forget why you started the thing. I say all the time to people, I'm like, this is supposed to be fun. I don't know if I've ever been jaded. I just was like losing hope. Uh, maybe that's the same thing. Um, I was just like, this is not going anywhere. But then, but I'd say all the time, like, it's supposed to be fun. You're taking the fun out of it. Um, there's a comedian, uh, comedian in uh, the like Providence area and she's hilarious and she's super hard on herself. And she's always like, oh, you know, just beats herself up over her bits and how it, this show went well, but that one didn't. I'm like, you're killing it. You're killing the thing. Because this is supposed to be a childlike, playful thing where you're just f- being silly. And the person, I'm getting deep here. The person you were before you ever stepped on stage to do stand-up comedy is um, that person before day one of stand-up has all the tools and all the things that they need to become great, right? It's, um, you're like curious, you're playful, you just want to make people laugh because you like making people laugh. You haven't packed on any adult shit to it, like booking and gatekeepers and um, money and travel. These are all adult things. But the kid who just f- made, went in the back of the class, that kid has enough to carry you through your whole career. And they talk about what your voice is, finding your comedic voice. And it's really just you You were this funny person and you get uh you get start stand up and you pack all this adult shit onto it and your voice gets affected by people you see and you want to be like them. And then eventually you get confident enough to shed all that shit and become that kid that you were the day before you started stand up. Does that make any sense? It does. Did you want to be a stand up? All like, was that your, yes, that's it. 
I don't, I never, all the only, the dream for me was never, I want to be on Netflix didn't exist when I was a kid. Maybe, maybe like the very, very top of the dream would be get an HBO, you know, once a year thing like George Carlin and Sinbad and those people had, or get on some, whatever version of Def Jam is by the time I get older. Right. All I ever wanted to do was go do stand-up comedy in some strip mall comedy club that was owned by like a guy and his wife. You know what I mean? I didn't know that there was improvs. I didn't know that there was the comedy store. I just thought this comedy club is in a strip mall shithole, two drink minimum. That's it. That's all I ever cared about. I just want to do live comedy to real human beings. I didn't give a fuck about a sitcom. I don't want, I never have any interest in any of that. Was that me? <laughs> yes, but it was. Trying to kill Am I choking on my own neck? I was serious. I was trying to be serious. No. All right. I hope you don't mind me asking this. Ask away. What made you start so late then? Um, so I'm from Nantucket and I was um didn't have any outlet for it. There was like no such thing as stand up comedy on Nantucket. And I probably didn't come to Boston even in a meaningful way until after I was eighteen. Like everything I had, oh, dude, I was a fucking big fish. I was like the mayor of Nantucket, dude. I was like, all my friends were there. I'm generational there. So it's like everything I had or wanted was right there. I'm also somebody, like I said, in would always be in long-term relationships so that that shit does not line up with, you know, when you date in your high school sweetheart or whatever, and you're like, I'm going to go be famous. They're like, fuck you are. Yeah. Um, so I never, I just, it was just like a pipe dream to me. And then I was dating a girl who I eventually married and then divorced, but she had to come to Boston to finish her college degree at like Bunker Hill or whatever. And I, she was like dragging me, kicking and screaming off Nantucket. So she bought me a stand up comedy class because I always talked about wanting to do it. And then when I started doing it, I was like, why didn't I do this my whole life? It like every single piece of me was like, this is what I'm going to do forever. And that's what kind of what eventually broke us up because I like, I like just dove right in, you know, was she upset? Cause she bought you the class. Yeah. Like, there's definitely a piece of that where she's like, got me the thing that took me from her, you know? Yeah. But dude, I would, I say this all the time, but like I would be on Nantucket. So we did that for a year and then I had to move home. Um, but I was still hooked on stand up, So I would work all day. Like Danny Kelly had a, had a show at Dick Doherty's comedy vault over by the um by boston common and he was the first one that like gave me any sort of help or like took me under his wing but he would like do my show on tuesday so i'd work all day tuesday for my family business for my parents i'd get out of work get on the ferry take it was like an hour then i would rent a car drive an hour and a half i'd come to boston park the car go to the show maybe there'd be six people in the crowd maybe nine sometimes it was full i would do the show and then get drive back to the cape sleep in the rental car, get on the airplane, fly home in the morning, walk to work, do my work all day. And then once I started getting more shows, I would do it multiple days in a row. So I was commuting, sleeping in rental cars from day one. That's yeah. It was, it was brutal. But now it's like, like I look back and it was like, kind of look at it fondly. Cause I'm like, I was earning it. I also yeah. didn't have the stage time to fuck around and just like wing shit. I had to write better. I had to like, 
take it from my notebook to finished quicker than because it's about three hundred dollars just yeah. to do those six minutes yeah I think if you're not doing, if you don't feel that way about something, then that's not what you're meant to do. Right. Honestly. Yeah. Uh, like if you don't, if you're not, it's funny when I got, um, when I got the next thing and the Detroit thing, Cot asked me like, he was like, what, like, why do you think, like, what do you think you have? And I was right. like, I think I'm obsessed. Right. And he's like, isn't passionate a better word? And I'm like, no, <laughs> no. I think I think I'm obsessed. I right. think it's detrimental right. to other people in my life how obsessed I am. But I don't think I think that's why I know that's why I'm gonna make it and why I know that I've gotten to where I am. Right. Is because when I hear that story, I lived in Chatham. Right. And I would work from ten to seven every day. Yeah. And then drive to Boston. Yep. Do a mic or two, drive back, mm -hmm. do it again. And I did that seven days a week. Right. That's hot, oh, dude. That's the, you're going to look back at that. I mean, you're young still, man. I, I'm so, I feel so old, but you're going to look back at that and be like, remember those early days when I was, you know, grinding it out, literally like yeah. making it happen. But you, it's funny that you said you never got jaded because I think a lot of people, including me, you gave them like the little bit of push they needed. Really? Like the little, yeah. A lot of people, I think you, I know like when we did that show a long time ago and you just said like, keep going. Yeah. I was just nice. And I always say the thing about the elevator that you don't yep. have to pull people up, but just send the elevator back down. Right, that's never, that's never left my head. Yep. And I think that is why you are doing what you're doing. That means the world to me that you even remember that shit because like, uh, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like that's important. And I've, and I don't like, I'm not where I want to be. Right. I'm doing, I'm doing a lot of cool shit that, that like I get to do because of, because I've worked hard and I just, uh, you know, have put myself in those things. I don't even like to say deserve, but I've put myself in these opportunities, um, by creating this space for myself. But the thing I'm most proud of is when I see somebody who I did that I know that I pressed the elevator back to send it back down for them. And now they're thriving and I can look at the scene. And even though people might be like, Oh, this fucking grumpy cunt, you know? And when they see me, I know that I point a little light at them. You know, if I had light on me and maybe I push them, push it onto somebody else. And I think that like, there was another comedian and she said to me at Brian Higginbottom's funeral, um, who I loved rest in peace. I yeah. loved dearly. Um, and she said, she was talking to another comedian and she said, well, if, if Brian like shines a light on you, it does help in the scene. You know what I mean? If he's, if he mentions, like if I mention somebody, then it helps them get a little, tr even a little bit of traction. When I look at those, all those standing around a room and I saw all these people and, the, and they don't go, Oh my God, you're my, you know, you're my mentor or whatever. It's like, nah, there was a little light. And I just like, I was taking a lot of it, but I gave a, a tiny little bit to somebody else and then they thrive. I'm like, fuck, if I never make it, but they do, I'll feel good about that. I'll watch them. I'm nothing makes me happier than being passed by somebody. Cause I'm like, fuck yeah. Mm. Because it also makes me feel good about my eye for talent. I'll be like, Oh, this, look at this person. I'm like, I think they're pretty good. And then they, and then they do really well. I'm like, shit, at least I, at least if I, 
suck at comedy i can be a good manager because i do i pick out people i'm like that motherfucker yeah well that shows that you're a real fan of it i am i love dude i love that's why i don't get jaded because i love watching people like it makes me feel good to watch people live their dreams or their wants you know what i mean it it makes me feel good even to watch people like uh succumb to their own desires you like i like watching people drink too much i like watching people try to hook up with somebody i like watching people come up you know Mm. and maybe not drink so much that they you run over a guy on the cape but you know what i'm saying (laughs) but like i love that shit i love dude i find i might never make it dude i'm i'm past i'm past the age of that you would expect somebody to be on their way up you would hope that by the time you're 41 years old that you've that you're there already you know that that's what your hope when you're young that you're like fuck by 40 i'll have made it but like i fucking love seeing people crush it and be like dude that was cool i was like on on their i was like a little piece of their story you know yeah because dude i got family at home i got i could quit comedy tomorrow and be just fine but you did make it <laughs> you did make it but I'm, I don't think we're ever where exactly where we want to be. But that's what, I mean? what keeps you pushing. Like, I remember seeing you when I was 16. And I remember, I don't know how, but I remember someone bringing you up is he just did an improv in Florida or he yep. just did. And I was 16. And I, I literally remember seeing you. Being oh, like, wow. Wow. He's that's a comedian who made it. He's in different. He just traveled to do comedy. Like right. I remember sitting now. I remember that moment sitting wow. in the audience. Shit. That's crazy to me. And that was what? Seven years ago, eight years ago. That's nuts, dude. But I also think um, that if you keep the mindset that you're doing it and it's not something you're going to do, like if you keep it in the present, that's what I learned. I'm dude, I've, I've had a lot of therapy. Um, but if I go like when I make it, I'm I don't even know if this is for for the podcast, but I'm just going to rattle on and whatever. Um, like I used to think when I make it, I'll be happy. Um, but then I shifted my mindset to like, I'm making it. I'm there. There's a thing that said, fake it till you make it. Um, and then somebody crossed off fake it and wrote, create it. And then you're like, Oh shit, I'm creating, I'm making it. It's, it's not going to happen. It's happening. Yeah. And like, I can't look back at the year that I just had and say, something's not happening. Something's not moving. Maybe this is as far as it goes. That's not up to me to decide. Like it was just a good year, but like you have to look at it and go, things are moving. Things are happening. Not like someday I'll be happy. And I did this thing. This is, dude, this, this is more of a self-help podcast than anything else now. This is a self-help podcast. It's literally from the beginning, always been a self-help podcast. I just happened to interview rappers and that's what happened. Okay. Well, listen to this. So one day I sat down on my computer and I wrote, out the things um most people say when i get successful i'm gonna get a car i'm gonna get a watch i'm gonna get a girl i'm gonna get a house i'm gonna get whatever so doesn't that mean if you have those things then you are successful if you're successful when you if that's your definition of success excuse me then when you check all those boxes off like when you make it, you'll check those boxes off, right? But I go, fuck it. Why don't I just check the boxes off? And then I can look at it 
and go, well, I must be, I must be a success in my own eyes. I just, I laid the whole thing out and reverse engineered it. I went, all right, uh, a person that I would admire drives this kind of car and they have this kind of watch and they have blah, blah, blah. Right. So I just bought the car. I mean, I found a way to get the car. I got a watch. Maybe it's not a Rolex, but it's a Movado and it makes me feel confident. Um, and I, I did it to the detail. The guy smells like this. He looks like that. He wears his, you know, like every, wears this kind of shirt. And I laid it all out and I reverse engineered it. And then at the end of it, I was like, all right, all those things are not what success is. They feel good. I did it all. I checked all the boxes already. Then what? And then it becomes like, well, I want to create stuff that I think is funny. I want to do, I want to make business moves that make me feel proud of myself. Yeah. It takes it away from being this. When I have it, I'll attain these things or I'll purchase these things. That's all bullshit. I have it all. I fucking had it all before I started comedy, to be honest. I have another, you know, I do other shit. I have a, a different business and, and came up, uh, in a situation that allowed me to, to be, um, you know, financially stable before I even started comedy. So I'm like, all right, I have all this shit. Then what? Big fucking deal. I'm not a beast. I'm not. I don't. I'm not revered in this scene as somebody who's a killer who you can't follow. That's what I want. I want people to see my name on a list and go, "Fuck, I gotta go after this guy." And until I have that, then I'm gonna keep working harder than everybody else. Were you fulfilled? Did you feel <laughs> fulfilled after you did the Wilbur for the first time? Um, I felt the most profound sadness that. I've ever experienced other than the death of a person. Um, because, um, because of the letdown afterwards, I did. That was the, to do the Wilbur and, and I can get into this, which I don't normally talk about, but to do the Wilbur was, um, was such a long shot for somebody like me to do it. But it was when I did it, and it went well, and it was pretty full considering I'm nobody. Um, the then what feeling after that was fucking gutted me. And I go home at the end of June every year. I go back home, and I just kind of regroup. And I was just sitting in pure sadness, which is fucking crazy. It's not, though. Because yeah. we're talking about like what success is. Success isn't. It's the 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 success is the work that gets you to the thing because mm -hmm. you never feel happy with what you get. Right. You you always feel that profound sadness. And it's funny the amount of shit that I've gotten, you know, or just hate, not hate, but just like people being like, "What oh, the fuck is this?" Okay, dude. Like, like you don't deserve that or. There's other people that deserve it more. And my answer is, I mean, you're right. There are people who are, be, who are beasts. We, we are, I'm, I, and I like people are like, oh, well, you're not Lenny and you're not this person and you're not, um, you know, these names that have come out of Boston and, and all those things. And I'm like, you're right. But I stand on, uh, like they did it so people like us can do it. So the guy after, like I did it so you can do it next time. I don't, I'm not like, I'm trying to break it down so that to show like people like us, even if we're not huge names can sell tickets. Was I, did I get put in a position 
that most people don't get to be in because of my relationship with opening for Bob Marley? Absolutely. But like, you don't get what you deserve. You get what you negotiate for. And I just, like my buddy goes, well, anybody could have done it. Like a friend of mine, he said, anybody could have done that. What's the big deal? I said, the big deal is you're right. Anybody could do it, but they didn't. I fucking laid my nuts out. I had to, I had to take a risk. Dude, if that didn't go well, do you know how stupid I would have looked? In front of fucking everybody, I would have been like, oh, you think you can sell the Wilbur and you sold fucking 100 tickets and they canceled it? It was like, yeah, anybody could have done it, but they didn't. I did. And I, I decided to write my own story. I'm changing the path of my own career. I'm an independent artist. I hate, again, I hate saying artist, but like, like I decided to be a pirate and that was part of my plan and, and people can hate on it, but how can they not look at the whole work that I've done? How can they not see that I've, how many meals I've eaten in my car and, and how many times I've, I've, how many relationships I've left at the altar of this thing and how many funerals I've missed and birthday parties and how many nights I didn't tuck my daughter in so that I could be at the fucking, you know, some comedy club or some one nighter or whatever. It's like, there's God, there's fucking gods from this scene. Lenny Clark lives here. There's, there's fucking a million people that should have done that night instead of me, but I did it. You know how you're talking about who makes you happy? Like mm-hmm. seeing people come up makes you happy. Yeah. Seeing people work hard makes me happy. Right. It doesn't matter what you do. You could be making spoons. Like, right. It doesn't. But if your work, because I know what hard work takes and you know what hard work takes. Right. That is what makes me happy. And it doesn't. That's what it is in the end. Right. Like. Like you created a blueprint that people either could get mad at or they can follow. Right. I feel that with me. Like I sold thir- I sold 30 tickets at Detroit House of Comedy. That's not many people. That holds over 200 people. I sold 30. But I created a blueprint that, okay, maybe do it better than me. Create right. a podcast that's bigger than mine, right. better than mine. Do that. Sell more tickets than me, please. Like I, no one's showing me the way, so right. you show me the way. Right. Like, and it's also 30 more tickets than the hater who says, fuck Sam Buck sold. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, uh, and it's easy to get stuck in that. And it's easy to like for the old, you know, though, I guess if I like wanted to say something that people heard, I would like the older, you know, older people who have been around for a while who did, you know, who don't either didn't like me or didn't like that. I did that or whatever. It's like, I don't have anything but love and respect for the people that came before me. There's no bigger fan of, of Boston comedy. I mean, there are, but there's no bigger fan of Lenny Clark than I am. There's no bigger fan of Tony V and you know, those guys, um, like those guys who are like legends from Boston that are, that are back or, or are still here. Like I'm, I fucking love those people. I'm doing it so that maybe someday a younger comic like you or younger will maybe see me as like, as like somebody like how I look at them. But I do like I did. And I do like that right. when I, that's how I saw you noon and Bulger like even Bulger is a fucking beast. Will Noonan is a beast. Dan Bulger, I think is sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted no, to throw some no. light on them. Um, Dan Bulger is world-class joke writer and should be revered as such. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. And that's yeah. 
he's coming on the podcast, so I'll let him give his story. Yeah. But he doesn't like care. He's just funny. Right. He's just naturally one of the best and he works hard and he just does what he wants to do. He doesn't care about any of yeah. the other stuff. Right. Which is how we should all be. We should all just be trying like Dan Bulger. All day, all Bulger gives a fuck about is writing the best joke. Yeah. That's, he doesn't dude. He doesn't. I mean, I don't know him well, well, but I, I like him and I respect him. But at the end of the day, hit, hit, what he's concerned with is getting the joke out in the, in its best form. It's like David Tell versus Kevin Hart. Right. Kevin Hart's the highest selling comedian of all time, but David Tell knows how to write a way better joke. Right. You know, like, yeah. I mean, if you put, if you put like, um, if you put me next to somebody like Bulger or you found my notebook and you found Bulger's notebook, you'd be like, okay, one of these guys is a, a fucking nitwit and the other one is a genius. <laughs> but if you put us on the same show, you're going to get a great show. You know? Yes. Yeah. That's what I love. That's, so, that's what I do love about comedy too. I would rather go before Bulger, you know, because <laughs> I'm going to look like an absolute fucking moron after he goes up being like smart and like talking about things that are like important. And then I go up and I'm like, man, my family, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I love my kids. Do you, is that how you see yourself? Um, I think that I, I don't think that I've, um, probably scratched the surface yet of what I'm going to be. I think that I, I think I talk about what I care about and, and what I'm, familiar with and that's being a dad and a husband and fucking up a bunch of relationships and i don't talk about politics and i don't talk about things that i don't know about because i'm not i'm not crafty enough yet to not hurt people's feelings mm. you know what i mean mm -hmm. or to like like my whole point is to bring people together and i'm not crafty enough with the with that kind of material to not drive a wedge you know yeah and I'm like, until I'm good at it or until I'm on a stable platform where I'm confident enough that I can say what I mean and be heard and have it and have it stand the test of time, then, then I'm fine talking about the things that I'm confident and comfortable with. You say this is the like biggest you could get and that, but it's not, you know, not with that mentality. Well, I think that if you're saying just scratching the surface, you know that you have a long way to go. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I've said anything important yet. I think I've said a couple of funny things. You know, I think I, I think I've said some, like if you come to see my show, it's a, it's a fun time, but I don't, I don't know if I've dug in. I, I maybe I've dig I've dug in more to my own personal, how I actually feel about shit on this podcast. than if, then if you came to see me tonight, and I would like to get those two things closer to each other. That's my goal going forward is mm. to like get a little, not have it be up on a soapbox or whatever, but like there's more, there's more to me than I'm showing. And I, and I'm like excited about going forward to do that, you know? Yeah. But also you're the kid who makes the fart noises. Right. But I want to, but I can be both. I just know there's more than, I mean, if, if you feel that you've said all there is to say, you should quit. Yeah, saying something important. I've never heard that. Yeah, I've said things that are funny, but I've never said something that's like. And I don't mean profound, important. Like, I mean, if somebody in my shoes hears it, you know, younger me or or other me hears it and goes, oh, fuck, I can let myself off the hook for how I feel about myself because he said that about himself. 
You know what I mean? That's yeah. that's where my I believe if there if I have any depth, I think that's where it is. And like even in this podcast, somebody might hear it and be like, "Oh fuck, I didn't think of." I thought I was the only one that thought that. You know, that's what I that's what I did this when I started the podcast. It wasn't a rap podcast; it was a self help podcast because I was in such a dark place at yeah. the beginning of quarantine, drinking, yeah, doing just being bad yeah. that I needed to hold myself accountable. And then I started interviewing rappers and talking to them about self-help and it kind of grew. And then I interviewed West side gun, who was my favorite, the person I was like, if I could interview anyone in the world, it would be West side gun. He's only done 12 interviews in his whole life. That's so crazy. I I love that about this whole thing. And he came on the podcast and I felt such a profound sadness. Mm -hmm. I felt such like a, what am I even doing this for? I just, I just did what I wanted to do. Yeah. And then I was like, wait, but why did I start it? Right. I started as a self-help podcast to hold myself accountable. Right. Why am I not doing that? Right. So like I've stopped interviewing the biggest rappers I can get. Right. Cause I can get huge names, but I don't care about that. I care about the now self-help. <laughs> I care about the people I look up to. I care about the people who shaped me mm-hmm. to being who I am, which you are one of those people. Dude, that's so, I mean, that's just so awesome to hear. It's so crazy. Like, I saw you, um, I saw you interviewed Janelle last week or it came out last week mm-hmm. and I was just like, oh man, we got to sit down with him and talk. Cause I mean, I have, I have a immense respect for Janelle and her, her hustle and her story. And I was just like, fuck man, when's it my turn? Gotta get on that bucked up podcast. And we made it work and you're driving to Florida right Tonight. now, which shows yeah. the grind. Like, well, this one is, this one's not a grind. I'm. Oh. I need time off. I'm, I need time off. I need time to reconnect with my family, dude. I've been on the road nonstop. Uh, I, I don't, I haven't spent more than three days at home in a stretch since probably ugh, since probably October. Damn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. I, I drove to Florida for shows. I did shows and then I had a funeral in LA I had to go to. So I got up in the morning after doing shows the night before I got up in the morning got on the plane, flew to LA, got to LAX at 10.30 in the morning, rented a car, drove to Ventura, did the funeral, went to the after party, had two Jack and Cokes back in the rental car, flew home, got in on the red eye in the morning, went to my parents' house, slept for like a couple hours, got up, did two shows that night, then went out with a comic from Boston and drank all night until like four o'clock in the morning. And I'm still like, you can hear it in my voice. I'm still sick. I just flew to San Diego and back within two days. I'm killing, I'm killing myself, but it's man, is it fun? And that's the point that you'll be looking back on. (laughs) Like you have this space, like you are on a different push than you were before. And that's great. That's awesome to see that you're not slowing down. You're speeding up. Dude, I'm just, I'm just so motivated to like, um, like, like, like I showed myself what I can do with some focused effort. Like, like it's such a long within, within, you know, however many months I did, I got to do the Wilbur, um, because the guy who owns the Wilbur saw me with Bob Marley and he said, he goes, how can I, how can I like help your career? And I said, I want the Wilbur. And he laughed at me. But then we built a working relationship over the next couple of years through COVID and whatever. And I was like, dude, I'll hustle. I can do it. I've sold 600 seats at Nick's in a weekend. I, like I sold 300 seats twice. 
I'm like, shit, that's not that bad. And I'm, that was years ago. I'm like, I can do it. I'll sell the shit out of it. I mean, fuck it. It's basically a thousand person bringer, you know, but if you hustle, you can do it. And from the Wilbur, I got a theater in Rutland, Vermont. And that's a 800 seat theater that we just did. And we didn't sell it out. We sold like 500 seats. I'm doing another one in Vermont. I did one in Manchester, New Hampshire. It's activity breeds activity. I'm like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go where it takes me, you know? And I think it's important to show yourself like, well, fuck, I can do it. If I, this shit is not unattainable. Yeah. If I did it this year, then somebody else will do it next year. I mean, I'm doing it this year, so fuck you. But um, there will be someone else who takes that and does it even better. And they, like, that's fucking awesome to You're me. You're creating a blueprint, and people can either be mad or inspired. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, like, I'm not trying to, like, take anything from anybody. I'm not trying to take any light from anyone. I'm just pointing some at myself how is that people think there's an there's a limited amount of spots and that's so stupid that's so stupid do you know how many tv shows there are online and i got four hundred thousand people last month listening to my webcam tv my webcam podcast it's like there's so many there's unlimited spaces for everyone to win let me tell you something when you do nick's comedy stuff and nick's comedy stuff is a is a is a major milestone from anybody from here there's but there's um, people who go, Sam got a weekend at Nick's Comedy Stop? Man, fuck Sam. Because they think if you weren't there, then they would be there. But they wouldn't. They wouldn't. No. They go, fuck him. He took my spot. It's like, well, you if he drops dead tomorrow, they're not calling you to fill in for him. They're calling somebody else. And until you are the phone call that, then don't worry about it. I can't be mad at somebody for getting a thing that I want because it didn't take it from me. That's a scarcity mindset. That's a fucking, you know, I have to look at things from a, a position of strength and from, from a position of abundance. Yeah. We're like, so there's 52 weekends in a year. If Dane cook drops dead tomorrow, that doesn't mean you're getting his weekend. So just work hard. Just fucking work. I don't know why he's Dane Cook. That's a fucking reference. But That's anybody. Show him age. Anybody. But, like, but Dane Cook gets that kind of hate. It's like if Dane Cook's not famous tomorrow, that doesn't mean you're going to be famous. Yeah. There's something for everybody. There's room for everyone to carve out a thing. And if you're pissed at somebody, for get, I'm pissed at Sam Buck for getting Nick's comedy stuff. Was I going to get the weekend if he didn't get it? No. Okay, then shut the fuck up and go write some jokes. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah, because shit, if you're mad at me. What are you obsessed with? Like I'm obsessed with rap music. Interview as many people as you can in that. Right. And then you'll get it. I'm giving you the blueprint. Right. I'm give, uh, talk to the people you're obsessed with and you will get everything you want. Right. Like, when I <laughs> see somebody that I'm, that I'm like chasing, like to me, Lenny Clark is the top of the food chain from the region. If I got to open for him last week and it was an honor. It was crazy. He murdered and I got to do a, 15 minutes before him. He's a legend. He's a king. He's the king of a style. He's the ground zero of a style that spread through the fucking world. The Boston comedy style is, is extracted from that guy's DNA. And we get to watch that dude. You can drive up route one and see the guy at a comedy club. Sometimes like 
we have that greatness around us. And like, I don't look at him and be like, I'm going to fucking topple that guy and take his spot. I'm like, holy shit. I get to ride in the wake of a giant. I get to ride behind somebody like that and just follow behind in their greatness. I love that shit. I fucking love it. Dude, this has been amazing. Thank you. Thank you. This Hell is, yeah. I really appreciate you making the time. Hell yeah. Um, everything you've done. And um, if you want to plug your at the Wilbur June 24th. Yeah. June 24th tickets at bglowcomedy.com. Anything else? Um, yeah. I mean, people all over the place, just go to my website. If you're listening to this and you're some weird corner of the country, I'll probably be in your town. Bglowcomedy.com for tickets to shows all over the country. Man, you can find me at Nick's Comedy Stop April 28th and 29th. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much. Hell yeah. Peace out, everyone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah,